The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. Well, we've been on a journey together, and it's been a fun journey um, as we have looked at Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. There are those who believe that this was a circular letter that while it may have originally gone to Ephesus, it was circulated throughout Asia Minor, which is true of several of the letters that we find in the New Testament. You'll remember that Ephesus was a tough place. It was a pagan place. It was a very rich place. There was a lot going on there that made life difficult. And for these new believers particularly, uh, it, was a, it was difficult. So he emphasized in the first three chapters that we are seated with Christ. This is a, this is a constant truth that we can always rely on. Those first three chapters are incredible, as David reminded us last week. And then walking in Christ is what chapter 4 through the very beginning of chapter 6 is all about, and we're right in the middle of that right now. And then we'll conclude with standing for Christ, which is <clears throat> the spiritual battles that we face that's at the end of chapter 6. Um, he said in 5 and 18, which might be one of the key verses, that we are to be filled with the Spirit which we understood to mean that we are to obey the Spirit. You know, we're to, we're to follow what the Spirit leads in our lives because He is a living person inside of us. And uh, a Spirit-filled life is one which is lived under the control and guidance by the indwelling Spirit of God. That's a conclusion we came to. Now, that affects every relationship and every um, decision we make, all those things. And so today we're going to be talking about a healthy home. And um, we're just looking at four verses in chapter 6, but I probably have about three hours worth of notes. So just I'm giving you the heads up. Anyway, um, to start out today, uh, I, I ran across a quote some time ago uh, by a man by the name of Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but he is an incredibly wonderful motivational speaker. Um, and um, Zig Ziglar was quoting... Uh, a British anthropologist by the name of John Unwin. He conducted an in-depth study of 80 civilizations that have come and gone over a period of some 4,000 years through all of them. There was a common thread, he said. In each instance, they started out with a conservative mindset with strong moral values and a heavy emphasis on family. Over a period of time, Conservative mindset became more and more liberal, moral values declined, and the family suffered. In each instance, as the family deteriorated, the civilization itself started to come apart. And in all 80 cases, the fall of the nation was related to the fall of a family. In most cases, that civilization fell within one generation of the fall of the family unit. Now, this is true of the Romans. It's true of the culture that were, that were addressed in this letter. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a serious need for all of us to constantly be reminded of. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has given us everything we need to have healthy homes. And, and that's the blessing. And, and this is his desire. The, the Romans did not view that family unit the same way as the Hebrews did. For instance, um, this, is a, this is a great psalm. I love this psalm, Psalm 
127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I mean, the Lord has to build our homes, or it's not going to happen. We're not going to have the home we desired. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Amen. Amen. I, I just want to say, I have four wonderful children God gave me, and uh, I didn't deserve any of them. But I love all of them, and I'm so proud of each of them and for the lives that they are living now as adults. We made it through childhood. In, in every case, when they turned 18, I sat down with them and said, how was your childhood? Because it's over now. <laughs> you know. But, but this is a serious subject. And, and like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. My AOL account is John Quiver, which means we're done. We got four arrows, and that's it, okay? Anyway, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Everyone who has been given children need to celebrate that gift that God has given them. And, and for those who, who are not able to have children or, or, or even choose not to, it's okay, right? I mean, they're still families. It's single people or families. I mean, all of that is important. But today we're concentrating on the subject of parents and children. And it's an important subject. It really, really is. What instructions does the Lord give us to help us build healthy homes? Well, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, children should obey their parents. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 4, parents should give their children guidance. Say, wow, that's pretty profound, Pastor. Well, it may not be as profound, but it's important. I love when Peter writes in his letter, now listen, I'm going to remind you of things you already know. <laughs> I was just talking to Andy Meverden when we were coming in and how we need to be reminded of truth. And let me read the word of God for us today from Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's begin with children. It's kind of interesting and I think thrilling that Paul addresses the children. That in itself is an amazing truth because the Romans, they, they just did not view children very well. Not only did the gospel elevate the position of women and wives in the family relationship, but also the children. Um, William Barclay makes comments about what the Romans called the father's power. Okay, this is what it was like in a Roman home. A Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands, for law was in his own hands. And he could punish as he liked he could even inflict the death penalty on his own child. 
Further, the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life. As long as the father lived, the Roman son or daughter never came of age. The gospel set that free. What Paul says here is like a note of freedom to the children and a note of responsibility to the parents. What are children to do? They're to obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Very interesting. That's a very strong term, obey. It's much stronger than the word submit that we saw last week about wives to husbands. It generally means to listen under the authority of the parent. So <laughs> the first duty of parents is to get your kids to listen. I mean, that, that really is, is one of the great responsibilities and blessings, really. Disobedience to parents is a sign of rebellion. It's, it's, it's not a healthy thing. And um, this obedience is in the Lord. If your parents ask you to do something outside of the will of God, outside of the directive will of God, then you have a right to say no. But in general, it is the duty of children to obey their own parents in everything. Which, you know, my dear mom's here. She's older than me. Anyway, um, I can remember as a child hearing scripture like this and saying, okay, you know, and I didn't do it all the time. I rebelled. I did my things too. But okay, Lord, I'll do this as unto you. And, 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 it, and it's important for children to get that perspective, that it's in the Lord that I'm going to obey my parents. I remember the day when I realized my father wasn't perfect. My earthly father was not perfect, and it wasn't right for me to expect him to be. I have a perfect heavenly father, but I don't have an earthly father who's perfect. I don't have an earthly mother who's perfect, and none of us are. And it's important for children to understand they, as children, have the opportunity to worship God by obeying their parents. It's part of, it's their primary duty. And secondly, honor your parents, which extends way beyond after you become adults, right? We honor our parents until the day we die. And that's important, that we honor them, that we give them respect, that we cherish them, um, that we consider them precious and worthy of respect. And look for the positive and look for the Lord's strength to honor our parents. Jesus honored his mother and his father. We were told in Luke that he obeyed them, which is amazing when you think about it. He's the son of God. He's the God-man, and yet he obeyed Mary and Joseph, who were imperfect parents too. And honoring parents, we, we see that all over Scripture. Um, Joseph honored his dad back in Genesis. David honored his parents. There's scripture in Samuel of how he cared for his parents. You remember the Lord Jesus from the cross said to John, behold your mother, and said Mary to John, behold your son. And, and from that day on, it says that John took care of Mary because that would have been Jesus' responsibility as the oldest child to honor his mother. Now, we can ask the question, that's what children are to do. Why? Because it is right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty simple. Be, because it is right, children 
Obey your parents because it's right. Because it's required. It's a commandment. It's the first commandment with a promise. It's the fifth in the list of commands. Honor your father and mother. And it's required. It's not a suggestion. You say, you know, Pastor, you should have given this sermon next week when the children are here. Well, maybe we will review this a little next week because we've got seven baptisms. That's going to take a long time. Hallelujah. Okay. But we need to instruct our children, understand it's a command. And there's a reward with it. You, that you may live long on the earth, that there might be blessings in your life from doing this by obeying your parents and honoring your parents. The, the book of Proverbs um, was written by Solomon to his son and his daughters also. And he says, for instance, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. This is chapter three, verse one, verse two. For they, that is those commands, will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. There are ways that listening to your parents will bring forth blessings, help you to avoid pitfalls and, and danger, and, and to help you to develop good habits in life. May God help us to be godly parents. Now, what are some of the top ways that our children can frustrate us? Oh, isn't this fun? Just, just think about it, right? What are some of the top ways that children can really frustrate their parents? Well, I got a list of 50, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. One of the ones that comes to my mind is, when children will not communicate with their parents, when, when they just shut down and they won't talk and they won't communicate, or, or when they trash talk their parents. I can remember some times in my life when I remember I got caught trash talking my parents. What a, what a convicting moment that was. Um, when you lie to your parents, that's, that's a dangerous thing. When you blame your parents for all your failures and mistakes, when you argue with every decision. You know, as my children got older, I, I tried to employ something we called the appeal process. And as they got a little older, I'd say, okay, so if you don't like what I just said, you can make an appeal. Now, we can discuss it. I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to agree with you, but I will listen to your appeal. And as they're growing older, and especially as teenagers, that really became important that they knew that they're part of this process, and I want to help them to make good and good decisions. There's a lot of pressure to rebel today. We see it all over culture. We see it all over uh, in many places. And, and that's, that's really something that we, we need to be aware of. As a father, I used to tell my children, I have to require first-time obedience from you. First time. Not... Tenth time, not, you know, first time. Because God requires first time obedience. If I teach you that you can get away with it till the third time, what am I teaching you? I'm not teaching you what you need to know. God desires first time obedience. And I need to teach you that. All in the context of love, of course. All praying for our kids, praying with them, loving on them, having fun with them. I had this idea that if I played with my kids when they were young, you know, they, that would be good. And um, it is what's good. It is good. 
We have a lot of great memories of playing together. When my grandkids come in town, I don't have so much responsibility with all that stuff, so I get to play more. Children, obey your parents. Second Timothy reminds us that one of the signs of the perilous times of the last days is disobedience to parents. And we see some of that in our society, too much of it really, and it is a sad trend. Now let's get on. The parents should give their children guidance. The goal is to bring up your children. That's what the verse says in verse 4. Bring your children up. Our desire is to produce morally responsible Christian adults. Is that not true? That's what, as parents, we desire. And I believe this uh, masculine plural uh, shouldn't just be translated fathers. It should be translated fathers and mothers. I think it's a joint responsibility. Bring them up. That's the goal. The problem is, as is seen in the scripture here, don't exasperate your children. Now, that's very convicting, even to just look at it. Exasperate means to make them angry. And then the parallel in Colossians says, don't embitter your children. Embitter them. Make them wounded. <laughs> that they become discouraged, that they just want to give up. So in the first case, it seems like the exasperation leads to rebellion and anger, and the second, just giving up. Both are just tragic. And we've all been guilty of some of this, obviously. We're sinful parents, but we desire to not do this. The solution, he says, is quite clear. Train them in the Lord and admonish them in the Lord, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Training is a great word. It's, it speaks of the whole process of training of a child, from the moment they're born till, you know, into adulthood. You're, 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 you're called of God to help train them. The Word of God trains us in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16 says. And the Word of God and prayer are, are, are so important in the training process, the whole training process. The second word, instruction in the Lord, means to admonish, and it's a stronger word. It speaks of putting the truth into their minds and into their lives and into their hearts. Get the truth into them. And, and that's very, very important. Um, the training and admonishment are in the Lord. It's very important as we're training our children that we give them that explanation from the Lord. So, for example, we tell our children, don't lie. Why? Because God's a God of truth. And if we're in his family, we should be truth-speaking people. And, and that's, that's very important. But the children need to understand the why. Because they're going to hear from other sources rebuts to this. And they need to know where it comes from, that it comes from, from the Lord and his training. Now, let me, let me, for example, just go back to the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is such a rich book for so, so many reasons. But let me just give you a few places where these scriptures apply. This is the command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are a way of life. That's from chapter 6 and verse 13. How about this one from um, chapter 12 
In verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Our children need to learn to respect authority, and they need to learn to respect the Lord. And the training and admonishing is in the Lord. Here's chapter 13 and uh, verse 18. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Again, I, I found in coaching that little boys in Little League don't like to be told they did it wrong. Yeah, none of us did. Sometimes we still fight it, but it's wise to heed correction and to learn that. When my sons, my twins, were um, in Little League, they learned how to lose. Some fathers protected their kids so they never lost. But my son had to pitch for a team that was horrible. They couldn't make a defensive play to save their neck. And he was out there pitching. And you know, when he became older and was in college, he was a closer on his baseball team because he knew how to lose. He knew how to go out and just do the best he could do. And see, that was an important lesson for him to learn. Well, there are more scriptures we could look at, but let's remember that we're to emphasize what is excellent. We're to do not just what's good, but what's better and what's best. We're to to encourage our kids to do their very best, whatever it is. And we are to set the model for that, of course. So what are the top ways parents exasperate their children? Ho, ho, now I've got 500 on the list. I had 50 for the kids, but I got 500 for us. There are so many ways that we exasperate our children, and, and, and may God help us to recognize them and stay away from them. Constantly changing the rules or standards of your home. That is so confusing. It will exasperate a child. One of the rules that I had trouble obeying in my home was eating vegetables. No, no, not that one wasn't so bad. Throwing balls in the house. <laughs> oh, I love to throw balls in the house, but... I need is, you know, use a double standard to enforce the rules of the home. Get your kids to run to mommy or daddy, depending on what the rule is that they want to disobey, right? That, that's not, that'll exasperate the children. Confuse your children with inappropriate punishments. I was with a father one day, we were playing a basketball game, and his kid missed a layup, and he, and he yelled at his kid, you're going to shoot a thousand layups before you go to bed tonight. And I pulled him aside. I said, are you seriously going to make him shoot a thousand layups tonight before he goes to bed? (laughs) Well, no, I didn't really mean it. Well, then don't say it. Belittle your children by recalling their past offenses often. Oh, boy, that'll exasperate a kid. Refuse to reward your children, especially after you promised that you would. Compare and contrast siblings often, especially in public. This is way too convicting. Set unreasonable goals for your children's, your child's future. Let God be God in their lives. Never recognize or compliment good behavior. Never trust your child. Martin Luther said, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's true. 
But beside the rod, give an apple. Keep an apple to give to him or her when they've done well. It's very important. Very, very important. I, I look at Deuteronomy, I think it's like the basic text for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's us as parents, right? That's, that's to be on our hearts, the truths of God. And then we are to impress them on our children. <coughs> and the impressing is the act of wetting a knife when you draw the metal across the rock that's wet and to sharpen the knife. And, and it's the same action over and over and over again. How many reminders do you need in life? Be gracious to your children. Maybe they did forget. But keep instructing. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You know, I had a wonderful dad, I had a wonderful mother, and they did this. <clears throat> I think my father could make an object lesson out of anything. And he often did. And I appreciate that a lot because it was part of our lives. It's part of how they raised me. What are ways to be too overwhelming, too overbearing with your kids? Be overprotective. Shelter them. They'll miss out on the realities of life. It, it stifles creativity. They, you know, some parents never let their kids leave. It's sad. Or how about this? Threatening, repeating parents. Constantly giving orders with threats. Repeating it again and again and again. It inspires disobedience, sadly. Or how about manipulation? Operating on conditional love. Dr. Dobson, some years ago, wrote an article. I kept it because it meant so much to me. And it's such a good reminder. Don't use emotional black blackmail. <laughs> Do what I want, or I'll get very angry or go to pieces. Don't use the guilt trip. How could you do this to me after I've done so much for you? <coughs> it's a ways to manipulate. Help from beyond the grave. Your dear father would have agreed with me. It's a way to manipulate. It's not healthy. Or how about this? The humiliation. Do what I want or I'll embarrass you. Manipulation is, is, is inappropriate. It's overbearing. It's, it's not the way to parent. But then we have the reverse ways to be too permissive. Bribing. Ugh. Bribing. Don't bribe your kids. That's not appropriate. They should obey because it's right. Remember what we saw? Obeying in the Lord. That's the right thing. Don't bribe your kids. They get too much of that already. It ruins their motivation for reward. Let God reward them. Let them feel good about doing the right thing. Permissive is silent and no guidance, no rules. And then suddenly, without warning, strict discipline comes out of nowhere. 
Like they didn't even understand the rule, and all of a sudden they're getting disciplined for something they didn't know. They hadn't been told. I think the times when I've been abusive as a parent was when I had done this. I just neglected to remind them. And then exploded. That's horrible. Or how about being child-centered? That's really a big problem. When you are way too child-centered, you do everything to entertain and all this like you want to be their friend instead of being their parent. Be their parent. Which means sometimes you have to say no. And a lot of times you get to say yes. Isn't that great? We've been given a big responsibility as parents. And as adults, we want to be involved and concerned about all of the children as much as we can, right? And abuse is just wrong. It's sinful in any way, shape, or form. You define it or see it. So help us. I, I, I loved in my first church where a lot of us were young families. We had 50 kids under five years old at one time. And, and we were just helping each other. We were praying for each other. We were loving on each other. We were giving guidance to each other. It just was part of what we did. And, and I encourage us to have relationships with other families that can help us. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, I don't know how you've understood that verse. I heard one theologian that taught at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He said this is a very negative statement. If you train up a child in conformity with his way, which is kind of what it, what it means, when they're old, they won't depart from them. If you don't let them have their own way all their time, they, they get old, they're not going to depart from it. They're going to keep doing it. But I think it is positive. I like the way the NIV translates. Start children off on the way they should go. Train them in conformity with their way. Get to know your child. And everyone's different, aren't they? I had twin sons, Pete and repeat, and they're so different. Thank you for laughing. That made me feel good. But honestly, their personalities are very different. You need to understand the personality of each child. You know, it's not a bad idea to have a little notebook and jot down some things and talk about it as mom and dad. And, and what's the difference between Johnny and Susie? And, and how can we train them differently so that when they're old, they'll continue to walk in it? They'll continue to walk in the truth. That's really our desire. And that's our, that's our hope. Now, in our life group, we've been looking at uh, A.W. Tozer's book called The Pursuit of God, which I've probably read 25 or 30 times, and I still don't understand it all. So if you don't understand that book, it's okay, right? One of the great values of this book, in my opinion, are the prayers at the end of the chapters. And I thought today, as we close, that what we should do is just read this prayer together. Parents, children, everybody. And just commit ourselves to letting Jesus be the leader of our homes. Not just a guest, but the leader, the master of the home, right? So let's read this together as we close. Lord, I would trust thee completely. I would be altogether thine. I would exalt thee above all. I desire that I may feel no sense of possessing anything outside of thee. I want constantly to be aware of thine overshadowing presence and to hear thy speaking voice. I long to live in restful sincerity of heart. I want to live so fully in the spirit that all my thought may be as sweet as incense ascending to thee and every act of my life may be an act of worship. Therefore, I pray in the words of thy great servant of old, 
I beseech thee so for to cleanse the intent of mine heart with the unspeakable gift of thy grace, that I may perfectly love thee and worthily praise thee. And all this I confidently believe thou wilt grant me through the merits of Jesus Christ thy Son. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.